0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Brain Food Show. The show where we talk about interesting things from history. I thought about doing a little, in- what, what do you think of that, Davin, as, like as a little intro? Because I realize if we have new people tuning in, they'll be like, what is this about? Especially an episode today like, that is just titled First. I mean, obviously, no, it's got something to do with computers and all of this, but I thought we should do like a little, this is what we do on this podcast before. Can we have a jingle? <laughs> I really hope we could get a jingle off Fiverr. I'm yeah. sure it'll be amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board. Good. I recently found out Fiverr. It's a, For those who don't know, Fiverr is a website where you used to be able to go and get little tasks done for $5. I've done a couple of jobs on Fiverr lately, just for little graphic design things. And Fiverr is no longer a Fiverr. It's no longer
1: $5. It's matured. But, but I would say you get better quality out of what you do get. Most definitely.
0: And I, I kind of the problem with, I guess, starting Fiverr. Is inflation's gonna happen at some point <laughs> and your business yeah. is called well, that's, uh, Fiverr.
1: Uh, Fiverr, that um that Fourth uh, of July, what is it, Star Spangled no. The one about the singing of the was
0: it about the singing of the Star Spangled? Yankee Banner? Doodle Dandy. Ah No, the Yankee yeah.
1: Doodle Dandy. Yeah, we got that that singer who does she does some games. Like I feel like she was in Skyrim or something and she was on there and she wow. was really good. This was um, a video yeah. we did, what, over a year ago, right? Like, Couple, yeah two years ago it was it was quite I, I really liked that one just because of the singing stuff she did because we had these so we had these um songs that nobody sings anymore like versions of yankee doodle Dandy. and there's, there's no copy of it anyway so we just hired her to sing it and she did an amazing job it sounded very cool yeah so go check out that video we'll link to below or wherever the notes are for this one i
0: guess if you're yeah, i
1: think it's called like why why did yankee doodle stick a feather in his cap and call it macaroni i think you're right i think it was the yeah, I think you're right. It was, it was actually pretty interesting too. What are we talking about today, other than Yankee Doodle Dandy? This is a the tech tech bonus facts one. So it's kind of um, we got I don't know probably like I don't know five or ten different things we're going to touch on, sort of uh, in shorter form than normal, but still not super short. Five or ten—that is a range. We will, the- yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> it it's long. It's it's fourteen pages long. The notes. So I uh, we I've got it open in front of me.
0: It's a it's a significant one. People always seem to like these bonus facts. Yeah, they, they do. So that's good. So they do well. Just before we run into the rest of things today, we will be announcing. Uh, I should give some backstory to this. Again, uh, we are doing a contest where we go through people who've reviewed us on iTunes. Whether you've left us a one, two, five star review, whatever you left us, and we are. We were giving away a $200 Amazon give voucher when we reached 200 views on the iTunes US store, but we're going through all of the stores and all of the different platforms, the major platforms, I should say. And we're just pooling all those together in a spreadsheet. And then we told the computer to
1: pick a random person to win the prize, right? Yep. And there was, it turns out uh, on iTunes, we were targeting 200 for the trigger mark. Yeah. And it turns out we have like over 400 when you add them all up, all 400 reviews on the various...
0: Uh, Across the different platforms.
1: Yeah, that's not even including the star ones. It's just the people who actually left comments like actual. Dude, seriously. Comments, so, seriously. How yeah. Did you, go, I know, did you find something back. that
0: collated all the stores or did you go through them
1: individually? <laughs> I went through them individually. <laughs> <laughs> seriously? Yeah, I went wow. I I went and I like searched well, top twenty podcast apps or whatever and then or services or whatever and then I just went through all of the ones and a lot of them didn't have, you know, even the option for people to leave a comment. So um there are uh, you know quite a few of them got but then uh when I added all the ones that did, that's what it came out to about four hundred. That's that's uh yeah. that's a lot of reviews. Thank you everybody for leaving us reviews. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and um yeah, at the end we have the winners we'll we'll mention. Yeah, we do. Um
0: so as usual. Uh, we're starting with a quick fact, and then we're going to jump into some... I suppose yeah. it's kind of, in a way, it's all kind of quick facts, but the quick fact at the beginning
1: is a bit shorter than the computer stuff, right? Yeah, this is this one's uh, short, and this one is on Pulp Fiction. Ooh. If you like Pulp Fiction, I think you'll like this. So we have uh, you know Samuel L. Jackson's... I don't think I've seen <laughs> Pulp Fiction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I've seen... I know there's a golden briefcase, right? Or a glowing briefcase? I know Samuel uh, Jackson's in
1: it, and he says, like... It's, I've seen it's a the MacGuffin... It's like a MacGuffin, you know, thing. That's right. So it doesn't really. Um, but, okay. Yeah, this is a good start, right? So, uh, yeah. Still haven't seen so, The Princess j- j- Bride. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Carry on. Sorry. Jules, Jules Winfield. Yeah. Uh, Samuel Jackson's character. He has this uh, sort of this quote that he does when he, you know, he's going to kill someone. Um, and it's kind of one of the most memorable uh, scenes in the movie, a couple And then, so supposedly it's Ezekiel 2517, and so you can, uh, I don't know, do you think we could get away with doing the soundbite for this, or do you want to read this one? Oh, to just insert the clip from the movie? Yeah. 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 I
0: also think, like, you couldn't do this on YouTube, because they have all that detection
1: software for, like, pulling out clips.
0: You really, you really couldn't pull something of this length. But I reckon we could, uh, have producer Joel stitch this in.
1: I think it's okay here, because also, uh... Quentin Tarantino, he ripped this off from a different movie. Well, so, he did it. We can, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, not the Samuel Jackson version, of course, but, uh, you know, reading it, but, you know, the actual text. So we'll put that in. Tell you what, I'll read it.
0: And just in case we okay. have any issues. And then yeah. if we don't, we'll, uh, you dear audience, will hear Samuel Jackson read it, which I'm sure is preferable.
1: The path And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee.
0: Wait, he says this every time before he's going to kill someone? I'll be like, good God, man. Come on, if
1: you're going to do it, do it. I think it's more momentous, you know killing there, he'll it's like a little speech he gives. But so here's the thing, that's supposedly Ezekiel 2517. That is not Ezekiel 2517. Uh, that is just it's like, you know. So what Ezekiel 2517 actually says is uh he says, and I will
0: execute great vengeance upon them with furious rebukes, and they shall know that I am the Lord, all caps, when I, I shall lay my vengeance upon them. That feels even more intense. Yeah, and shorter and sweeter.
1: Well, yeah, so so the um, Tarantino, uh-huh. he he took this movie from a film, a 1976 film, The Bodyguard. He just I mean like literally copied verbatim the the uh, version Samuel Jackson used. Um and then this in turn was from uh, the the Bodyguard is actually from a remake of a Japanese film called Karate Kiba or uh-huh. I should say it was the US version of the Karate Kiba, I should say. And that was from 1973, and there's basically that movie opens with the text crawl where it just says that, and it says, um, and the the only thing it differs there is that it says uh, at the end it just says and they shall know that I am Chiba the bodyguard instead of and you will know my name is the Lord or whatever. So that is really the only difference. And other than that, even in that movie, which is weird because it says Chiba the bodyguard, it still said it was Ezekiel 25:17. So um, That's specific if they, you know, (laughs) Chiba the bodyguard. Chiba the bodyguard (laughs) in the Bible, I guess. So you Uh, think Quentin uh, Tarantino saw that movie and just assumed that was Ezekiel uh, 25-17? Well, I'm sure he looked it up at some point. He probably just thought it was the cooler version, so he just took that version. But Plausible deniability. I thought it was from the Bible. (laughs) It'd be
0: awesome if he accidentally copied the Chiba the bodyguard bit as well. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, if you can actually go on YouTube and see the Chiba version... Um, it's there from that film. So, no, yeah, there you go.
0: <laughs> not from Ezekiel. No, I I'm pleased that you know that 25:17. It's like 25 colon 17. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know how to I, like when this comes up in videos. I wasn't really sure how to pronounce that because don't you say like is it chapter 25 verse 17? Yeah, you could
1: say it that way. Okay, because that's how I
0: because I, I I didn't know how to pronounce it because I'm not exactly. Those were put
1: in later though, like the chapter verse thing. That was put in much later. Like the original, you know, text copying around didn't have those at all. Ah.
0: Wait, yeah. yeah. No, that wouldn't make sense. Like, because it's all written yeah. like the tiny little, so people can find where it is, right? Yeah, it was
1: it was exactly like later scholars put, put that in. I can't remember when exactly that happened, but it was much, much later like this, you know. Interesting.
0: Well, I didn't know how to pronounce it. I looked it up and it wasn't really like, it, I think this is just something people know or you don't know or you don't need to know. Mm-hmm. And it was, so it was quite hard to actually find how to pronounce this. And I found yeah. it, but now 2517 is easier. So I'm just going to go with that from now on. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Is that our bonus? Is that our is that our quick fact? That that's our quick fact. That was fun. I should go see the Pulp the pulp fiction. I'm not a big Quentin Tarantino fan, but everyone says yeah. pop fiction's good.
1: It's good. I I don't I didn't love it, but it is. It has its moments, mm-hmm. I, I especially like the the uh, Samuel Samuel L. Jackson the last the last scene where he where he reads this or he says this. I should say to a guy. Uh, that he's not intending to kill, uh, and it, that's a that's a good scene yeah. at the end. It sounds pretty
0: intense. Is this the movie where Uma Thurman gets stabbed in the chest with a big needle? Uh huh. And that's not a thing,
1: by the no, way. No, that's the like that's stabbing. the only reason I know because we made a video about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. They don't. Uh, that's not a thing. Stabbing the, the needle in the heart to you know. But that's a thing they do in
0: movies. Only in movies to resuscitate yeah. them. It seems extremely dangerous. Like you don't want to puncture the heart with needles. It's no, it's, important it's not for generally.
1: Stuff generally a good idea i'm sure there's like probably some obscure reasons why it, it can be
0: a good idea but i feel like there was really and i've sub- subsequently forgotten it. i feel like we mentioned this there was like some really obscure medical thing where you yeah. might
1: need to inject someone in the hearts but yeah this and that that particular script we had uh, scott from medical confessions uh, the youtube channel and mm-hmm. podcast he wrote that one so he's uh he is a long-time paramedic and was going into the details of why that's a really dumb idea he knows his stuff yeah
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Wix Wix allows you to create a website for your personal brand Your business, your wedding, maybe your podcast Whatever else you can think of really So I've got some personal experience with Wix They knew about our YouTube channel They found out we were doing a podcast And thought that as they now fully support podcasts on their website builder That it would be perfect for us And it was Now I really don't know anything about building websites This was not a problem at all with Wix Though making a website with them was easy and dare i even say it actually a bit fun you just kind of drag and drop things and your vision kind of just comes to life on the page it's incredibly easy on the on the homepage of our website which you can find brainfood.fm by the way i added the uh the wix podcast tool boom suddenly all of our episodes are in there with the uh, little player and titles and everything like that it took a Maybe two minutes to set that up. Then I went on. I made a contact page so you guys can drop us a message. You can do that if you want to. And also an about page with a bit of information about the show. Like I say, uh, Wix, it's all drag and drop. There's no heavy lifting. It's very easy. I even used a template to make my life even, even easier. So, Wix, they offer unlimited pages and top-grade hosting for free. You can upgrade to one of their premium plans for as little as just $5 a month, and that gives you even more. Just go to wix.com forward slash go forward slash brain food and get started again. That's wix.com forward slash go forward slash brain food.
1: Why not? Should we talk about computers again? We should. Lots of computer talk today. So, the first, first bonus fact, we're going to talk about the first computer. So, what was the first computer you might think? This had to have been relatively recently, maybe like you know, century ago at the most. Uh, but it turns out it actually goes back much further mm-hmm. to a guy named Charles Babbage, and of course, this was this was kind of in the 1800s is when he did this. Um, so to, I suppose I should go back a little bit. So. There's different ways you can make a computer. You don't need to do it with electricity. In fact, I had a, I had a friend in college who is a master's student who was actually working on trying to make a computer that ran off, off of water. Um, you know, like a water-powered computer that okay, but okay. could do cool, cool stuff. Uh, and so Wait, like using the water can... to generate electricity to run the computer or using no, the water? using the water to turn the like, gears and things to actually <laughs> do the calculations and do it all manually like that. Wow, this guy's like charity water 2.0. Like, once we
0: have sorted out water in Africa, we'll start using it for computing.
1: Yeah, because so Charles Charles Babbage instead used gears and all this same type of setup. But he would, you'd hang, crank, you'd hand crank these things. And of course, I suppose you could also get like a you know a horse or something like those turn spit dogs. Maybe even like oh, to, yeah, running yeah. on the wheels. Those, uh, to they, they were used
0: for turning the meat on the stove. Right, just
1: having the dogs yeah. run around in that big hand yeah. wheel for all day long. Yeah,
0: <laughs> specific breed of dog for this.
1: Yeah. And they were also used as foot warmers when they were resting, mm-hmm. you know, because they, they would just lay. But so this is this is kind of how his machine works. And so why would we call this like a computer, though, necessarily? And so there's this thing called Turing complete. And I had originally like this really long explanation of what this actually means. What's what's a Turing machine and what's a Turing complete mean? And it was really boring. So I cut it out. So I'm just going to say really briefly, it's just a simple Turing machine is just a simple machine this very simple machine that can do basically uh can produce the results of any calculation Mm -hmm. so if you give it like infinite memory and infinite you know time and stuff like that and just have it crank through calculations it can basically produce the result of any calculation and so your computer sitting next to you is is turing complete i'm quite sure uh unless you're some researcher who has some really weird machine (laughs) <laughs> um, so this, this, this pretty much all, you know, addressing you the 0.001% of the audience there. I'm sure they appreciate yeah. it. Thank you guys. Yes. Yeah, so, the, so you have this Turing, this idea of Turing complete basically means this simple machine can do anything your computer sitting next to you can do in theory, obviously. Just on a practice.
0: hugely scaled up degree.
1: Yeah, like, you know, if you consume like infinite memory and all this, so it could, it could, it can do these calculations basically. So it's sort of equivalent. So this, this is what Charles Babbage came up with uh, in the, in the 1800s. Um, And so he, with gears and everything. And so at first, his first machines actually weren't Turing complete. They were computers of a sort, but they, they weren't Turing complete. So they weren't like, you know, uh, as capable. So his first one was called the Difference Engine, which he, which he made and it had 25,000 parts and weighed about 15 tons. Um, and he did not complete this one because because ex- it was expensive, basically. And during the process of building it and getting the gears made and everything yeah. like that, he came up with a much better design in his second difference engine, which actually had eight thousand parts, but and could actually return um, uh, even more um, uh, digits, so thirty-one digits in this one of you know for the calculations it could do. And then he never completed that one either. Also, for he had some funding problems and things like this. And uh, but. It was shown in 1991. Finally, I think after like 17 years of working on this, some group actually finished constructing the second model of the difference engine uh, using his designs, and they they even wanted to make sure that he could have built it. Like he really could have built it. So they were using methods uh, that you know wouldn't. They were they were basically producing products that would have been as precise as he could have gotten them, you know, yeah. like the gears and stuff. And um, and so, and they completed it, it worked. And they also, in 2000, eventually, it was uh, the printer for this machine was completed. So it could, you know, print the results of the work and that also worked. So his designs were good. They worked. Wait, they actually um, built so, this like 15 ton, tw- 8,000 part thing? Well, the 8,000 part one I think was a bit smaller, but yes, yes, they wow. built the second one. Um, Couldn't, they just do this? Couldn't you just do this on a computer these days? Like use like use You would a think so, software? like model it. Yeah, but this was in 1991 and they started oh, doing it actually in like this. I think it was like in the 70s when they started building it. So, you know, then not as much. But yeah, nowadays, I'm sure that's all you would do is just make a computer. It'd be cool model if you scaled that out to like the
0: size of, you know, if it was scaled out as difference engine to like the size of the planet or whatever and sort, see what calculations it could do. Yeah, like, yeah,
1: all the yeah, give it infinite memory and things. Yeah. But this, the difference engine though, was not Turing complete. This was not the one that was Turing complete. And the, the second one, this he came up with his third design, and it was his most one complicated one. He called it the analytical engine, mm-hmm. and this one, this one was impressive because it could also use punch cards for programming. So basically, how early electronic computers were remember. programmed well, too.
0: I don't remember these, but I I know of You've these seen. in the modern context or modern
1: yeah. context. <laughs> Yeah. And I was kind of wondering how these worked. I was looking up and I couldn't see anyone who explained like how these punch card system actually worked in this old gear driven system, you know, Yeah, Uh, but it worked apparently and this is how they programmed it. So, uh, well, if it would have been built, I should say, because he didn't build this one either. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Funding problems again. again. Uh, um, These are really expensive, but... But you, the great thing about these punch cards is you could write a program, put it in, and then just use it. You know, you had these cards to run the program again with different numbers and stuff to do for different calculations. Yeah. It was really good, really awesome. And it was, this was, in fact, a Turing-complete uh, computer. Um, even though it ran on gears and everything, it was technically capable of, you know, producing the results of any calculation. That, uh, in theory, again, always in theory, because mm-hmm. you have to assume, like, infinite memory and all this all this stuff, so... So yeah, this this is what he built. He was Turing complete. The first ever computer to be Turing complete, and this brings us around to the world's first programmer, computer programmer. Now, Ho- hold on. Everyone,
0: just, I know you said you didn't want to get into the whole Turing complete thing cuz it's boring, yeah. but hang on. So it's so boring.
1: But okay, I don't want to go into details,
0: but I just want I just want to understand like how it works from this mechanical machine to like mm-hmm. the present day. If it's the same theory. So essentially since that computer, that Turing complete analytical engine Babbage built, that was basically the basis of what we have today. And from then, it's just been like improvements in technology to what we have today.
1: Well, and interestingly, his analytical engine was kind of forgotten. And his design, like his overall design of kind of how it worked with memory and stuff like this was not in like a very high level, was not really that different than the computers that they would then Build, you know, uh, you know, much later um, in the in the twentieth century, and so the like the overarching design, and but this they had to sort of rethink it because people had pretty much forgotten about what he did with the analytical engine. Um, so they kind of just you know rehashed how, how what a thing might work. Like people didn't know about this. It sort of independently invented. But no um, one and saw then, the, no one saw the potential of this analytical engine, or just because he didn't complete no, it, no one really paid attention, or what? Someone saw the potential of it, and that's what we're going to get into on the world's first computer programmer. Yeah, okay, and there so almost universally you're here, ahead of ada, myself there then carry on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. ada Lovelace supposedly was the world's first computer programmer um and uh but this this is actually not true like you will uh, everyone says this Like so look anywhere this it is like no. the top 10 facts about computers it's like the world's first yeah, computer programmer was a woman it's like yeah but i know it's not true because didn't we we made a video about this or a quick fact somewhere no no, we haven't done, we had done a thing on her before, but we didn't, um, no, this was not, but Babbage, Babbage was the world's first computer programmer. He, he, of course, when he was designing the thing, he came up with computer programs and we have notes of his that show he predated hers, but she, she actually, she was the one who first saw, he did not really see the full potential of what this thing could do. And she seems to be at least the first documented person to really get it. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, as we'll get into, but for just briefly, I'll just say she was the, uh, the only legitimate daughter of Lord Byron. Um, Ada Lovelace was, and she uh, he she never knew him. She he left he skipped skipped England uh, skipped town when he uh when she was just a baby, and um, he died when she was eight years old. Mm-hmm. Her mother also didn't particularly care for her, including referring to her as "it" in letters. Oh, when she wow she you know, didn't particularly yeah. care for her. Yeah, <laughs> no. and. She, well, because she also her mother really didn't like Lord Byron, thought he was a crazy person, and and this yeah. was one of the reasons she was she was taught mathematics and science was to drive this insanity that supposedly she would get from her father um, mm. out, yeah. and so to get in case it was in her head, and so she she was kind of raised by her grandmother for a bit, and then uh, also she had some pretty impressive tutors, Augustus de Morgan. Are you familiar? I am with not him also. at all? Oh, like like you know, if you take any logic or philosophy classes, you'll come across him a lot. He was actually a mathematician and philosopher, and Stuff, but a um, lot logician, really. Wow. Um, yeah. And so he actually had this to say of her. He said, an original
0: mathematical investigator, perhaps a first rate eminence. That, when was yeah. this happening? Like early? Oh, this was like the mid. mid... Either way, it was a really long time before women would be mathematicians, surely.
1: Or like, yeah. Typically so. Kind of a man's world, yeah, and that's what, she was mainly taught this because their mother thought she would be crazy otherwise. So hope to, uh, so she was born in eighteen fifteen. There you go. Okay. So she in her teens, like eighteen thirty or whatever. Wow. Um. So, so yeah, this I mean, a pretty impressive tutors, but she she, uh, you know, well educated and all that. So coming I back guess to Edward so, Byron
0: as a dad and stuff, you're probably in yeah. like a, a notable family, probably upper class or whatever. So access yeah. to the best.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so she she eventually comes across his analytical engine and they kind of uh, correspond basically uh, about it. Um, and between um, 1842 and 1843 is when she actually translates an article by Italian mathematician Luigi Manabria covering uh, basically just covers the machine, you know, for people who want to read about it. The, the idea of the machine, even though he hadn't built it. And so she translates this to English. But in the process of doing so, she actually puts her own notes in there, and they were significantly longer than the original memoir covering the machine (laughs) itself. And this is where she does the supposed world's first program. Uh, And and this is, I mean, she probably gets the credit because she, I mean, this was a very public thing way she did this, whereas he was writing his notes, you know, that would only come out much later. Um, So yeah, so she writes this, and her program was to just does a sequence of Bernoulli numbers, um, basically. And it was a valid algorithm, totally would work if the if the thing had been built in the first place, so uh, but hang on. Course.
0: the The Italian dude just wrote an article because Babbage was British, right? I think so. English polymath. There you go. That's a Wikipedia's description of it. All right. <laughs> Super All right. quick Google search. So he's he's English. Then an Italian guy writes an article about using Babbage's machine, and then she translates mm-hmm. it into English so people can. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. This is an impressive yeah. lady, like yeah. Italian as she well. Is. Just oh yeah, just throw
1: that out there. Uh, also yeah. he knows Italian. She was. And, uh, and yeah, and so she, this is, this is the most impressive part. So even though she may not actually have been the world's first computer programmer, she does, at least his documented cases, seem to be the first person to grasp really what this, what you could do with this machine. So Babbage, when he was doing it, he was thinking of doing mathematical calculations, but she realized that like, if you stepped back for a minute and just, you could do anything you could symbolize into math. Yeah didn't this thing could this thing could do a lot more than just just strictly math and so she actually writes of this so she was kind of grasping the the Turing complete but, thing right she was kind of realizing yeah, she was she was grasping like like a little bit more like we we have today like you can play music on your computer yeah. right and it's really just calculations being done to produce all these stuff and so she was kind of grasping this and she actually talks about this so uh, uh, she wrote of this
0: the analytical engine might act upon other things besides number where objects found whose mutual fundamental relations could be expressed by those of the abstract science of operations and which should be also susceptible of adaptations to the action of the operating notation and mechanism of the engine supposing for instance that the fundamental relations of pitched sounds in the science of harmony and of musical composition were susceptible of such expression and adaptations, the engine might compose elaborate and scientific pieces of music of any degree of complexity or extent. Wow,
1: there you go, yeah. yeah. Music, relevant. Then, uh, so computer historian Doran Swade, he actually comments on this. Uh, he says... Ada saw something that
0: Babbage in some sense failed to see. In Babbage's world, his engines were bound by number. What Lovelace saw, what Ada Byron saw, was that a number could represent entities other than quantity. So once you had a machine for manipulating numbers, if those numbers represented other things, letters, musical notes, then the machine could manipulate symbols of which number was one instance, according to rules. It is this fundamental transition from a machine which is a number cruncher to a machine for manipulating symbols according to rules that is the fundamental transition from calculation to computation to general purpose computation and looking back from the present high grounds of modern computing if we are looking at sifting history for that transition then that transition was made explicitly by ada in that 1843 paper
1: and so unfortunately for for her uh, just nine years after writing that, that uh, you know, translating that thing, mm-hmm. she, at just 36 years old, she died of uterine cancer on November 26, 1852. That is a shame. Yeah. That was young even back in 1852. And it seems
0: young to get uterine cancer. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't know much about uterine cancer. It seems young to get cancer. Yeah. So I guess. Yeah. Unless it's like uh, a, juvenile a one. cervical oh. Oh.
1: cervical cancer or something. But uh, yeah, mm. she was an interesting lady though, we should do a full thing on her sometime. I um. feel like we've touched,
0: like I definitely knew that, I, I definitely knew yeah. that fact that she wasn't the actu- actually the first computer programmer and that was kind of a myth, which made me think this has yeah. to be a TIFO thing. Like this is yeah. exactly
1: what we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think, I mean, maybe it's possible we touched on it at some point because we've done like, Four thousand articles. Yeah. So. And
0: didn't we do something about Lord Byron recently and then his daughter being Ada Lovelace or something? I don't know. It he, had, uh, he
1: had either. interesting, even though he never really he never really met her or anything. Like he actually wrote some poetry about her and also some other stuff, even though he never bothered to actually, you know, write her directly or anything. Hmm. Kind of interesting.
0: Was wasn't was Lord was Lord Byron actually mad? Or was that
1: I don't think so. No. I could be wrong I don't was he just I don't like know. a bit of a contrarian in the day. I think he was just a bit of like a you know a poet and was you know <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> Some people maybe thought he was mad. <laughs> yeah, in in this poem about uh, her, he actually uh, laments or hopes that she doesn't. She's not inflicted by his something with poetry, like uh, the love of poetry or anything. Uh, so I don't remember now, but it was kind of an interesting. Uh, thing.
0: Tell you what. But anyways, we, we, while we were talking about doing uh, following up on things that we touch on, we think would be interesting, and then we should do in future episodes, I just wrote in our follow follow up notes section: "Was Lord Byron mad?" Stay yeah. tuned next week. Yeah, uh, we'll find out if Lord Byron was yeah. mad
1: or not. All right. So moving swiftly on. Mm-hmm. So why why in Windows machines particularly is the C the default hard drive letter? Have Have you ever wondered this? Gotta say I have actually.
0: Yes. Well, I I kind of know, when I was first using computers, they definitely had hard disks, and they had those uh, three and a half inch floppies. Then I think the big five inch floppies, was it? The kind of thinner ones that had less data on them? They were on their way out. Like, there were a few of those like lying around my dad's office or whatever growing up, but we didn't really have those anymore. And I think that was the beat floppies who are A, I think like anyone who's probably over 20-something, probably knows that floppies were A. And then I think, I just assumed in my mind that the big 5-inch disks were B. And so, obviously, mm-hmm. C would be the hard disk. But I'm guessing yeah. this is probably not the answer.
1: No, that's actually close, but there's a little bit more of a story <laughs> to it that also uh, is kind of interesting because it, it's kind of how we got Windows versus something else that we almost got instead. Uh, almost, there was almost no Microsoft um uh, or at least not as we think of them so it kind of goes back to the 1960s uh so ibm's virtual machine operating system they had yeah which was um so it was a cp40 and then the cp-cms systems uh so they this was uh, kind of they used this sort of uh drive letter scheme i mean back then the you know like you say the disks the they didn't have like the hard disk i mean Hard disks were invented, like, in the 1950s or so, uh, but this wasn't, like, common. So this this was just sort of a virtual machine operating system, so you would have these, like, virtual drives and stuff. So the point being, anyways, this was copied by the CPM operating system created by Digital Research Inc. And Digital Research Inc., so they they used it to designate, they, they had this drive letter scheme. I said, okay, we'll, we'll designate uh, drive letters for these different things for their logical drives on the disk. Um, and so, of course, you could do this differently. Like um, a Unix system, you just uses like that that you know slash, and then you kind of have the root, and then you can kind of mount your drives, to different folders, and stuff. You can have that. You don't have to, you know, necessarily have drive letters at all. Yeah. Um, so this was just kind of adopted from, again, kind of grandfathered in from this IBM system to the CPM system, which brings us to 1980 when IBM was actually trying to use um, a pretty cop- uh, popular version of this CPM operating system. Um, for their IP IBM personal computer, they were coming out with, um, and so they were. They went to Digital Research Inc. and they said, "Hey, we'd like to use your system on our system." And uh, so it turns out, at the time, there's sort of conflicting stories, but at the time, the wife of the guy who ran Digital Research Inc., which she she usually ran, uh, did a lot of the business negotiations for him. Um, he was out of town, and for it supposedly she refused to sign a non-disclosure agreement, which would be really weird. Uh, it's pretty standard because that's isn't it? like that's completely standard and itself. if she always if she always you know handled these things anyway she wanted to talk to him basically first her husband just to make sure i guess that's the story but it's not really clear uh that because that just seems weird and doesn't Wait. really make sense so but she could still
0: say uh, non-disclosure is not like a commitment to anything it's just yeah. don't talk about
1: yeah it. exactly this is why this doesn't make any sense at all and uh, there's also conflicting accounts of stuff. Like they later said that IBM actually did a handshake deal with them and stuff. And oh. IBM said, no, no, we didn't and stuff like this. So anyways, the point being it all talks broke down. They, IBM wanted to use this CPM operating system and instead they moved on into a little company called Microsoft who didn't have uh, the CPM system but that's what IBM wanted. So mm-hmm. they bought a CPM clone called 86DOS to, and they made the deal then they bought uh, 86 dos to then you know to be used on the they kind of made their own version of uh you know tweak things for the ibm pc and so this they branded to ms dos um and that is what ran there and that was kind of the the start of microsoft that little that little flub by digital research inc you know opened the door for microsoft and not them That's and crazy. that was obviously just, yeah hugely popular yeah and this i mean this basically they were all just the cpm you know operating system clones that they were you know making versions of so this this of course is why that why uh, so the CPM system had adopted it from a previous IBM system uh, to that sort of drive letter scheme, which gave us, as you said, so we had the originally you didn't have the hard disk inside, so they would just have like the floppy disk that you would run your operating system and software from, um, and so you had these floppy disks, the five and a quarter inch floppy disks, like you said, and uh, those were A because you know it's first first. None the of these alphabet. things are floppy, by the way. Like the five and a half inch ones, uh, the four five and a quarter ones were floppy. Yeah, but they were the, more uh, like, the, you know, yeah. you could wave them around a little bit, but
0: they're still more yeah. like floppy floppy. Yeah,
1: no. well, internally, the if you actually took the covering off, that like hard, harder uh, covering, okay. and it was like a real thin, it was, you know, floppy. And this is the 3.5 inch ones. Uh, those ones were hard, like you say, like they had a real hard, you know, plastic thing on them. But again, if you took it apart, uh, and it's actually went inside, so. it's just, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So the, uh, so those, those, I mean, some, some on the early system, some you'd have that five and a quarter inch. Uh, so you'd have the A and B sometimes there, you'd have just two drives. Some systems had that. And then eventually, of course, the, the 3.5 inch kind of supplanted that. And so then you had the A for the five and a quarter inch and B for the three and three and a half. And sometimes, you know, both, but either way, then in the later 1980s when hard drives became a thing, like a common thing. In your your drives, they just like, all right, we'll just label that one C, even though it's the primary disk. So you'd think you might go back to A, but it was just sort of grandfathered in. And so, yeah, that's why. And then eventually we got like DVD drives and stuff and they became D just because they were like next in the lettering scheme.
0: And and conveniently, D
1: for DVD. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. But of course, uh, obviously in Windows you can and other operating systems you can change stuff like that to anything you want nowadays but for a time for a time you know software was not written necessarily the best and sometimes it would require you to use the a like to be the the floppy for different things well
0: well now like i i'm a pretty heavy data space user as we've discussed our use of backblaze and stuff Mm -hmm. in in previous episodes Mm -hmm. and i was like i plugged in another hard disk the other day and it's like hey do you want to label this f and i was like no, I don't use A or B. I'm going to label this one A. And so mm-hmm. I did. And I still feel like it's yeah. a floppy disk, just a floppy disk that holds yeah. like four terabytes of data.
1: Yeah, you could just make your primary hard disk A too, just if you wanted for fun. Why not? It's still, you know, defaults to C for no real... And it's Good not like reason, you're really typing,
0: you know, uh, back in the day to like install programs or whatever, opening up like DOS prompts yeah. and it'd be like, you know, I don't remember any of the commands now, but it'd be like C yeah. colon backslash or whatever. You don't really yeah. need to do any of that stuff anymore.
1: <laughs> no, and I, I do remember like in the 90s having problems sometimes when you had, a, when you would do, when you would change the drive letter or try to not use the right drive, like type thing, like if you tried to do like an A for your primary disk, sometimes there was software that would be like, Nope, it has to go to sea or whatever. You know, <laughs> like, are you crazy? Yeah. How would you use a floppy disk? Yeah, exactly. But that's
0: not a thing anymore, really. So, are you... so Yes. Just this is a little bit off, to- off topic, but and and you probably haven't because you, I know you wait for all TV series to be complete before watching them. But have you yeah. seen Halt and Catch Fire* at all? No. It's set in it's set in this period. It's like semi fictionalized, but I'm sure. I mean, it's fictionalized, but it's basically. I've only seen the first and a bit of the second season. It's it's really good. I don't know why I fell off. But it's basically set in, like, this period, like, the or around this period, like, in the 80s. And it's talking about, you know, there's Apple releasing these products. There's Microsoft releasing these products. And basically, this is, like, a fictional third company that's, like, also creating stuff. It's really good. It's, uh, it, oh, yeah. it's and it's very, stu- it's kind of like the Mad Men, but for technology in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. It's... In that kind of very nicely done, very well-produced style. it's it's, it's That good. was a
1: cool time for the technology, because the, all the technology people were kind of just doing what they wanted, like, without regard to copyrights or yeah. anything, or patents or anything, and they were getting away with it a lot of the time. And it feels um, it felt was, like
0: quite a small world, like, back then. Like, now it yeah. seems like everyone, you know, there's yeah. billions upon billions of things, but... Back then it was kind of like, oh yeah, you know, Jeff at IBM, he came up with this thing and we want to do, th- mm-hmm. and it's like, you got, you will know each other on like a first name. It's, it's interesting. It's really yeah. interesting. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Worth, worth, worth checking out.
1: And now we're going to move on uh, to uh, the pronunciation of wiki as in like Wikipedia. And so, you know, I just said wiki, yeah, but it's it not wrong. actually, <laughs> I did, uh, it's supposed to be wiki and I'm going to pronounce that. It just feels weird to say it that way. Yeah wiki, wiki. Uh, is is supposed to be the thing and so this this where did this come from it's from howard g cunningham which where he um, we'll get into something else he did and a little bit that's really funny um uh, but so so he, this, he created uh, the first
0: have i heard of him like cunningham's law i don't really know what it is right now but
1: i've heard it yes yeah, we're gonna get into that but we're also gonna get into something that i saw when sort of i you know when i'm something if it's something we've covered before i always re-research it just to make sure for the podcast cool. you know just to make sure <laughs> nothing has changed and there's something funny with this one at the end with with the Cunningham's law. So uh, that that's come up more recently than, than right we did now, this but... piece. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we'll get to that. But so so he created the first wiki or wiki, wiki if you prefer. Yeah. yeah. So from he's, now on, he's long. long.
0: refer referred like when we when quickly look. like when wiki. I looked up Charles Babbage on Wikipedia. I, <laughs> look up Charles Babbage on Wikipedia along with it, <laughs> you know, and then I'm gonna look up about some gifs. <laughs> uh, <I> think,
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, so he he's obviously long since stopped correcting people. Uh, uh, so he made the he made the WikiWikiWeb in 1995. I think
0: you mean the uh, and, wiki? wiki Web. <laughs>
1: yeah, I do. And so he wanted to call this. It was, you know, just like an editable thing, you know, kind of, I mean, think of like a less advanced version of Wikipedia. Yeah. That's really hard to say. Um, yeah, so <laughs> it is difficult to say. Maybe this is why it did take off, like yeah. Wikipedia. He wanted to do, he wanted to call it something like Microsoft's Quick Basic. So he wanted, but he didn't like Quick Web. Like, this didn't sound good to him. What's Quick Basic? uh, I don't even remember. Just a Microsoft product. Is it like, like programming, like Visual Basic? Quick. Dude. Or is it like an actual piece of software? (laughs) Uh, Quick Basic. Simon, is this Uh, the programming language that Microsoft came out with in the early, dude? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Yeah, it is a compiler uh, IDE or indicator, integrated development environment for, for the basic programming language. So Boom. there you go. It was the yeah. IDE, so so sort of like a proto-Visual Studio or something. Okay. And looks as crappy as you might imagine. <laughs> you looking at uh, web so. shots of it, <laughs> yeah. like uh, yeah. screenshots. Visual Studio is amazing, but uh, that's not looking amazing. Uh, so, so he wanted to do something like that, but he didn't like QuickWeb. So when he was in Hawaii one time, he saw this bus. And it was called the Wiki weeky, weeky Bus, mm-hmm. and and uh, the double doubling of it just means makes it like very quick instead of just quick. And so he liked this, and so he thought you know it's like a very quick web, you know. So he went with weeky weekly Web and that and that's uh, apparently the pronunciation and so that's kind of what he went with and then people kind of shortened shortened it to, to just the the wiki just the single thing because that's the CGI script he made uh, that's was the name of the file basically um it was just the single instead of the double and so it quickly stopped being called wiki wiki web and just wiki mm-hmm. and so this this was what he made and that's what it was supposed to be pronounced but everyone just said wiki cuz it's easier to say <laughs> And, um, so this this brings us to the Cunningham's Law, so, um, so if you would like to read that. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, the Cunningham's Law states that
0: the best way to get the right answer on the internet is, ah, yeah, is not to ask a question, but to post the wrong answer.
1: That's how right they are. That is, that is so true. Um, so... This this first appeared, so 2010, a New York Times article is where this first appeared. Not in the article, in the comments of the article yeah. uh, is where this appears. So a guy named Stephen McGeady, who who is uh, he actually used to be an executive at Intel. And so he leaves this, uh, so the, the article was basically people were looking for if there was any like novel laws like that uh, that were out there, like Murphy's Law or Godwin's Law, which I like Godwin's Law a lot. Uh, it's also That's very true on the internet.
0: Who'd like to read it? <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay. uh, As an online discussion grows longer, the probability of a comparison involving the Nazis or Hitler approaches one. And I think as YouTubers, we can absolutely attest to this fact.
1: Both of these, and as yeah, as as fact, you know, people who do interesting facts that the, the you know Cunningham's law is true too. So. We could so, we could yeah. do some
0: research on this. We could like go through the comments on like some of our uh, more yeah. popular videos that have absolutely nothing to do with the subject. Search through the comments, like when they get up into like the thousands or the tens of thousands of comments. Yeah. Yeah. you can just search for hit the someone's going to someone's going to be calling someone a Nazi. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. So uh, especially on YouTube. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so McGee says of this uh, yeah, Cunningham's law, he basically describes it. As Cunningham's law was to quote. Uh, He
0: says, named after Ward Cunningham, a colleague of mine at Tektronix. This was his advice to me in the early 1980s with reference to what was later dubbed Usenet, but since generalized to the web and the internet as a whole.
1: Yeah, and then he also kind of points out the irony of, you know, Cunningham's Law and Cunningham making the first wiki. And then, of course, Wikipedia is, as he says, Wikipedia is now perhaps the most widely known proof of Cunningham's Law. Uh, again you post something wrong on wikipedia someone's going to catch it and then correct it uh, type of thing so this brings us to 2014 we covered cunningham's law yeah um, today i found out oh. and uh, oh, and uh, no, we conclude you do you really have an example no we conclude this no this is great you're gonna like this. okay so we conclude yeah. this piece uh, i think carl and i wrote this one uh-huh. so uh so, yeah so go ahead and uh, read this what we how this is how we conclude the piece uh, that we wrote Uh, In short,
0: uh, the Cunningham of Cunningham's Law is the guy who invented the first version of the platform which Wikipedia would ultimately be based. Uh, The law itself began as advice he gave to people in the 1980s. And the only reason we know of it today is because someone he mentioned the idea to talked about it in the comment section of an article online we're going to be honest, we're kind of hoping Cunningham uh, at some point comes out and claims that he was misquoted or never actually said that.
1: (laughs) This brings us to a year later in 2015, which Cunningham posts a video on YouTube that
0: says, I never suggested asking questions by posting the wrong answers. This is a misquote that disproves itself by propagating through the internet as Cunningham's law this is extremely meta. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. So yes, he did indeed say he never came up with Cunningham's law. And it's just funny because it was in an internet comment in the first place that someone posted Cunningham and credited him to this. So it's just quite, yeah, that's hilarious. Wait,
0: so in a way he's just, this is twisted around in my head. So someone said Cunningham came up with this and basically, Cunningham's uh-huh. like, no, in a comment, thread. that's wrong. This is the right in a comment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Someone said that, and then that became a thing. And then we in our article were like, we're going to be honest. We're kind of hoping Cunningham at some point comes out and claims he was misquoted and never actually said that. And then he did a year later. Wow. And it's, yeah. Still, Cunningham's yeah. Law. There you go. It's now named. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's still named after him, even though he says he never says it.
0: Amazing
1: quite funny although maybe he did say it, and he's just forgotten because you know it was you know people many, a few decades ago but that ruins so, the irony of it so yeah it does it would if that's the case uh, but anyways no so now, this is too
0: wonderful to to, to not be true
1: yeah <laughs> yeah so now we're going to the rights to tetris were originally owned by the soviet union uh, i i yeah i think i'm familiar with this
0: like yeah I can't remember why. Wasn't it one of their programmers who programmed it or
1: something? Like he was working for the government or yeah. something? Yeah, it was Alexei uh, Leonardovich Pahitnov, I sure. assume. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a lot. So he was it's working with Pajitnov. <laughs> but P- Pahitnov, probably. Yeah, uh, and exactly. then Dmitry Pavlovsky and Vladimir, no, sorry, Vadim Garasimov, who ported it to the IBM PC, but it was the, the Pahitnov. I'm just going to call him Alexei because mm-hmm. that's easier. Uh, so so Alexi, he was working at the Dora Dora Deitsyn
0: De Computing
1: center, maybe I thought yeah. I'd take some pressure off you and have a good bad Russian pronunciation <laughs> the d c c yeah, so he was working there, and um, it was a, it was basically a research center in Moscow. and you know um, how names fun. are like taken from one language and taken to another,
0: so like, you know, you might have like Peter a be like. Petter or whatever, like in a yeah, different language. Yeah. Maybe we could just do it. So we've got the Dora Ditching Computer Center.
1: We could just come up with alternate English <laughs> yeah. names, just make them up. So this would be the uh, the
0: Dorawood computing center.
1: <laughs> yeah. You don't often see a D and an N, or like an N following a D like that. No, you need like you feel like there should be a vowel in between. Maybe the D's silent or something. Dorian Dorin I don't know anyways so he was working for them at the time uh, government funded so when he came up with with tetris and so the soviet union they had the rights to it and he did not and this became extremely popular in the ussr because they gave it i mean it was a government funded thing so they just gave the, the game away for free to anyone in the ussr eastern europe and then this sort of spread to western europe and then uh, north america by 1987 and at this time they decided to to Basically, the Soviet Union said, "All right, we'll put together a, a company to manage the rights for this because other countries should pay us um, for for you know using this like any company that wants to make this game because um, lots of people are making money off this, so they that do this." An but they were excellent
0: example of communism working
1: well. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they so they they weren't good at collecting royalties. Ironically, um, they were really bad at it actually. So an example of this so, somehow. <laughs> Yeah, the British Andromeda company. So the, during they were sort of negotiating the rights to to get rights to sell rights to the game. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is what they were doing. And but they started selling it anyway before the deal was completed. But then the, the deal fell through. And so they didn't actually acquire the rights. But as no one had stopped them. They just continued selling the rights to the game, even though they never actually acquired the rights to sell the rights. And so this and this was fine. Nothing, nothing untoward happened. And so this, uh, yeah, eventually 1988, of course, was when, uh, you know, you had the NES version and stuff like that. So and over two million copies of the game sold in the U.S. alone that year. Um, so, yeah, uh, the Alexei, no money from any of this at this point. And so the Soviet Union was dissolved in 1991, of course, and he moved to the United States and took up. Uh, he got a job at um, Microsoft, uh, mm-hmm. but he still did not have the rights to his Tetris game that he had created. But finally, finally, in 1996, they were granted to him and, uh, yeah, he, he set up a company and then he's actually quite strict about the whole Tetris thing. Like if you try to make a, ne- a Tetris knockoff, you're going to get sued if you don't get those, those rights, even though, um, games like that had been around before. FYI. Um, oh. So yeah. Uh, similar games, I should say. So anyways, but now he, now he So you just can't does. make
0: anything too close to Tetris.
1: Yeah. And if you get like, even in the ballpark, you expect to get a nice notice. Cause I play, I, have got a game on my iPhone called Super Brick. Which is
0: yeah very much like Tetris, yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah,
1: I'm sure if it's still there, they he probably they probably got the rights, you know, granted okay. through through the Tetris company, which is uh, run by him and you know. So now he finally it took him took him over a decade to get the rights to the game, but I'm know. glad. Good, yeah. That sounds yeah. that
0: sounds fair. He's probably a little overdue. It does. Yeah, yeah. Two million exactly. copies sold. Wow. Yeah,
1: that had to sting a little, you know. No doubt. So then we're moving on to how spam came to mean junk message. And so everyone thinks, uh, or I should say a lot of people think this is from, it's like fake meats, fake meat. So you got fake messages. So that's probably how it came about, but it is not. It was from the 1970 Monty Python's Flying Circus skit is where it actually came from. And so in the skit, there's a, so this they're in this restaurant and they're ordering stuff, but everything on the menu devolves into spam. You have spam and I thinking, in the States as well. The canned meat he, stuff yeah this is actually this is a thing like i was thinking this skip perhaps they were referencing the fact that in uh, after world war ii so there's a huge huge food shortages in europe and so the u.s to try to help out sent britain like a lot of spam uh-huh. <laughs> like a uh, and this was um this was <laughs> Thanks, obviously guys. not well. delicious yeah exactly <laughs> not not the best and so this, anyways, everything on the menu in the skit, you know, devolves into Spam. And so uh, so we can probably play a little skit of a group of Vikings who were in the restaurant at the time singing. I'm sure we can pull that and insert thing. it. It's only a few
0: seconds.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so this, of course, drowns out any conversation. And this was the whole point, like the the whole thing, the Vikings screaming, you know, singing this spam thing. And uh, it drowns out conversation. And so in the early chat message groups, this was kind of the thing that would would ha- kind of happen. And it's not really clear. Like where, who was the first to make this connection? Because uh, it kind of happened in a lot of places. And obviously a lot of these chat things, I mean, no one was documenting. No one was like sure. doing printouts of the chats and stuff. <laughs> and they just don't exist anymore. But we do have some documented evidence of like the first sort of hard documented one was there's this thing called MUDs and they were multi-user dungeons. Basically, it was basically like That's a fine. really advanced chat board. Yeah. yeah, like a chat room like like a or like a really primitive Sims online. Like if you want to think of it that way.
0: Well, I, didn't know, I didn't know there was something called The Sims Online. I definitely know of Second Life, which is like, a. is that still around? I don't know. But it's like a, an online virtual world. The Sims yeah. Online is now, a th- that, which makes perfect sense, because The Sims is like the perfect environment to have something like this.
1: Yeah, well, I'm sure like this might be an old name for like this, The Sims, and at some point online got dropped off because you know, no one says online because everything's online. Yeah. So maybe that's probably well no it, it was i i would have thought it was
0: originally that did you play the original sims that was an amazing game i didn't know oh dude it's the original sims this is like a solid part of my childhood like yeah. building houses and stuff uh, anyway uh, and then it's like it's, it's <laughs> like the it's just completely like real life except it moves a whole lot faster so it's like very satisfying you're like yeah. hey you got created again it's like woo <laughs> if only life was like this um <laughs> This was amazing and I think the original was called The Sims and they had like you know The Sims 2 3 4 5 6 or whatever and then it must have been mm. moved online at some point when someone realized cuz I think this yeah. the Sim the original Sims was long before any of this online gaming mm. stuff or like in its okay. modern iteration.
1: Anyway, yeah, so this sorry, yeah, this uh, the, the 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 mutters uh, is what they Why is it called a the dungeon? Of-
0: <laughs> like <laughs> what should we call a wonderful place to interact online? A dungeon.
1: <laughs> You know, like a better, it sounds cooler than like, I don't know, house, like online house or something. <laughs> like, you get a dungeon. It doesn't uh, sound appealing. Like, hey,
0: come to my dungeon. There won't be any murder.
1: I know, you got, like, you got, these are nerds, you know, they're playing Dungeons and Dragons that, and that, stuff. That's it's kind of that, our, Yeah, I reckon you're on something. The cool. There. Uh, So this the first sort of hard documented evidence of someone referring to this was in the 1990 uh, thing. But ironically, what they were discussing in this little chat session was what was the origin of spam to mean junk messages. Basically, Mm -hmm. this is what they were discussing in 1990 on this on the first documented reference of this. And so this, uh, they kind of speculated in there. So some people from uh, the BitNets relay, which was like an early 1980s, like chat thing in TRS-80, same thing, chat systems in the early 1980s, they, they kind of remembered having this be a thing where people would jump on uh, and just start spamming. And they would do the Monty Python skip, basically, like exactly. Just type it out, you know, yeah. and put it up just kind of drown out any conversation. Just <laughs> repeat it over and over again. It was like a practical joke people did. Um, and so this this was basically what they came up with in that chat session. Uh, just uh, as, as as how that kind of became a thing. Um, and so this also brings us to, have you ever heard of the lorem ipsum what? text?
0: Yeah, like what you use as like filler
1: right filler okay yeah i wasn't sure because like in computer science yeah it's used all over the place but uh on the web too you might see it sometimes so people who are not familiar this is used all the time like just to fill it like if you create a website you want to put in random text to just sort of fill it out to see what it looks like when things are you know your articles are actually there use the lorem ipsum text and most people think this is just random latin words but it is not random latin words usually um it's actually from a speech by cicero uh, De finibus Benorum et malorum, the extremes of good and evil. It's a it's a excerpt from the speech, really? and that it's a yeah. It's basically I just thought a tre- it was just
0: nonsense.
1: Yeah, it, it's actually from a portion of the speech. Uh, it's just a theory of ethics, basically. What? Um, That's speech great. Speech and this, huh. yeah. Genuinely know. didn't know that. Like. And it turns out, this is going to blow your mind a little more, I think, is that it's been used, the lorem ipsum text has been used as sort of that sort of placeholder text for almost a half a millennia now. Wait, when did that printing press come around? That's basically when it was kind of used right, right. Wow. Pretty quick after as just sort of filler text if you wanted to see, you know, things. I know, know, because
0: whenever you used to open like Microsoft Publisher 1997, I think was the the big like release the head of my computer for years and anytime you'd open like a, a template document like hey you want to create a mm-hmm. poster it would always be like come to the lorem ipsum event or whatever and yeah. then yeah, oh,
1: that's yeah. Cool. and then uh, uh, on the sort of related note so we have uh, telegraphic spam was actually a thing uh, in the early 19th oh, like century particularly in the US yeah, but it was like total just spam instead of email. So Western Union would allow these uh, these messages to be sent to multiple destinations all at once. Yeah, uh, this was the thing they allowed, which is why it was a big problem in the us. So if you got a list of wealthy American residents who had you know you could send telegraphs to or telegrams to, and they would people would just you know send them stuff like business proposals and investment ideas and things like this. And it was just sort of unsolicited you know messages uh, of of this sort of nature. And so it was just uh, this telegraphic spam. And it wasn't quite as much of a problem in Europe because the um, there was uh, the the telegraphy system was regulated by the post offices and stuff, um, so it wasn't as much of a problem. But in the US, it was a major problem getting telegram spam.
0: I was just I, I thought it would be funny to have a look at my spam folder and see how relevant it would be to like. I just pulled it up right now to like yeah. a Telegram spam. Surprisingly relevant. The first spam message I have in my spam box is from a company or like a fake company or however, I have no idea how this stuff works these days. But it's from Canada Grass Seed, grass seed that even grows on concrete. And like I j- that genuinely could be a, ta- a message that I received via Telegram. Yeah. 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 The the next one not so much. Five seconds get an erection. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) From Gwen (coughs) Oldoskovsky.
1: Thanks, Gwen. (laughs) Noted. (laughs) So uh, Sponsored by hims. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But so the, um, uh, so if you might be wondering now where the name spam itself comes from. Yeah. And this was just shortened from Spiced Ham, uh, which was Hormel's. Yeah, that if only Spam actually tasted original.
0: like spiced ham sounds good. Spam doesn't. Yeah, Spam. I, and the- I think my grandma
1: must have got used to
0: all of that Spam you sent to the UK <laughs> after the war because she would still yeah. eat this. Like, I'd be a kid and we'd have, like, Spam sandwiches and, like, Spam fritters. And I'm like, Nan, the war is over. Rationing's <laughs> over. We don't need to eat this anymore. There's, like, meat that looks like meat. And it's not even expensive. We've we've got an abundance of food.
1: <laughs> Yeah. Like there's so much food we don't know what to do with it all. Yeah, yeah the spam, that's not good. And this uh, but but I'm gonna buy some Anyways, spam and try it. I bet it's horrible. Is, yeah, I I remember having it as a kid, but I don't I remember it thinking it was horrible. I'm adding um, this to the follow up. I'm gonna <laughs> They don't
0: have it here in check, but there's a British store that will for
1: sure sell
0: it because apparently there's demand. I'm gonna buy yeah. some spam and I'm gonna eat
1: it. And I'm going to give you some feedback on if it. it's as horrible as I remember. Yeah, that's it, most likely. Um, <laughs> the name the name itself was uh, just so you know is on Kenneth D'Agneau. He was the brother of the Hormel vice president, and he won a hundred dollar prize for coming up with the name Spam, oh. which is about seventeen hundred dollars today. Um, and and Hormel, you might imagine like what are they? How do they protecting their trademark on Spam? Because you know it's like a ubiquitous word now uh-huh. to describe something else. And so they they settled on always capitalizing every letter. And then they were able to successfully defend their trademark on that, but they lost the rights to it uh, in other forms, mm-hmm. even just a capital S and, and and the rest lowercase. And so this, uh, I, I thought it was just kind of a funny quote from a representative from Hormel. He says, uh,
0: ultimately, we are trying to avoid the day when the consuming public asks, why would Hormel
1: Foods name its product after junk email? And so now we're we're going to rapid fire... Like, even more. Uh, this one actually really rapid fire. So, first domain, Symbolics.com on Whoa, March 15th, 1985. On Sorry. yeah, <laughs> Okay, I'm yeah. prepared. Yeah, it was registered by Symbolics Computer Corp. They were the first one to ever register a domain on the internet. Just what?
0: I'm opening it right now.
1: Yeah. What is Symbolics?
0: Symbolics.org, you say? Dot com. Dot com. Damn it. Don't know why I thought of dot org. It is... Oh, it just says "world's first and oldest registered .dot com name <laughs> on the internet," and then there's some things like I guess like ads that I can click on. <laughs> Good, there yeah. we go. Oh, maybe there's not ads. I do have an ad blocker. As someone who makes you know <laughs> money <laughs> through amazing. ads, I, I I should probably not. I don't on my main computer. Just on this old Mac, I do, uh, and then I started feeling bad about it. Uh, yeah. No, no, there's no ads. This is just a a uh, website. Carry on, rapid fire
1: sorry. Alright, so have you ever noticed that saying, uh, so pronouncing www as the individual letters, w-w-w right, yeah. takes three times as many syllables as just saying World Wide Web Oh yeah <laughs> W, so. oh yeah there's three syllables, just yeah that's yeah. dumb I'm, I'm gonna World go, go for the mo- movement of just calling it <laughs> w because that's yeah. very fast Yeah um So, the word internet, it actually has been around since at least 1883, and it has a verb and an adjective to refer to interconnected motions. And then, of course, a century later uh, to describe a fully interconnected network. Just because I can't, you know, I feel like amazingly
0: my grandma's going to get two mentions in this one episode. <laughs> when I was a kid, I was looking, she had like old books, like old people have. One of them was an old dictionary, and I was looking up modern, this was decade ago to two decades ago and I was looking up modern words in an old dictionary computer was in there and it was like someone who's like a, I think it was a data entry person so like someone who's used to put data yeah. into like a, a system I was like that's what a yeah. computer used to mean I was like that's weird yeah yeah.
1: Um, number next up virus the term virus where did they, where did we get this from for or i should say referring as referring to a computer program certain type of self-replicating computer program uh frederick cohen he was a student at california's school of engineering when he wrote a uh, he wrote such a program for a class and he called it a virus and it was basically just as you imagine a computer virus is but at the time you know he coined he was the one who sort of coined it to call it that and uh and so yeah going back even further we have the we have something that wasn't called a computer viruses but one of the earliest computer viruses known was called the creeper and it was made by bob thompson or thomas in 1971 and this was just he called it it was a sort of a mobile computer program it was a sort of a proof of concept of of how you could make a program that kind of jumps around and stuff and does mm-hmm. its own thing and so this it, all it did it prints i'm the creeper catch me if you can And he wanted it to be like non-intrusive, so it would just copy itself onto the system uh, in whatever way, and then eventually once it would get executed, like when you open the file file or whatever that it attached itself to, it would get executed and then copy itself to it. It would try to seek out a different system and then copy itself over and then remove itself from the previous system. That was kind of the the idea of it uh, so it would just kind of remove and then eventually this became a little bit of a problem so they kind of it worked really well and so they made a pro he he made a program called the reaper which was just designed to do kind of the same thing but just go around and look for instances of the creeper and remove it there you go that
0: was and so i I feel like people got a lot more more nefarious at some point this is like quite harmless fun and now it's like hey we've uh, we've hijacked your hard drive you have to give us like 500 yeah. euro in bitcoin or we'll
1: yeah. never you'll we'll never access your data again <laughs> yeah like, yeah that's, you dick <laughs> yeah exactly and so this so we have viruses computer worms you've heard of these people's? yes i, I don't people don't really say computer worm anymore though i don't feel like that's the thing i've heard in a while but it used to be a thing i feel like it's said. the thing
0: i heard in like 90s movies where you know they were like yeah there were and two thousands of- or Inside Early
1: two thousands, you yeah. had these big ones that the, with the news media would talk. But I feel like nobody says worm anymore. But either way, there was Let's a bring it back, more. Obs- man. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I want to bring this one back. Is better. Is the computer wabbit? <laughs> that is <laughs> lost. That one's no longer. Uh, use, but it used to be just this. Uh, it, it's not. It's sort of like a virus, but instead of infecting like host programs or files and stuff like that, and then executing when you open it, this was just like a bit of software that would kind of run on there that would just multiply itself constantly uh, until your sis- your system ran out of resources. So yeah, <laughs> and so and they uh, of course the Wabbit was probably from you know Elmer Fudd mm-hmm. you know version of th- things, and so this is what it was called and this uh, this was I mean uh, it's just sort of fallen out of favor. No one no one talks about. Th- about the computer Wabbit version of things, but this, uh, if you weren't... Did you know? Rabbits are induced ovulators, so they can get pregnant. I don't even know what induced
0: like, ovulation is, so
1: <laughs> enlighten me. This means when they, when they mate this induces the ovulation in the female, so she doesn't, you don't need to like get the right time of month type of thing. You know, like if you're thinking like a human, you don't have to hit that. It's just literally the act of mating induces the ovulation, which then they get pregnant really easy is the point there. Uh, And they can get pregnant uh, as much as a day, as soon as a day after they've just given birth. Whoa! uh, So they can just get pregnant again and they mature quite quickly. They're sexually mature, you know, about five or six months. So this is why rabbits have the sort of reputation for breeding really quickly and taking over areas uh and uh and and even though they don't actually mate like you know more than a lot of different animals they just get pregnant really easy and they they produce a lot of babies and mature quickly which we talked about in that hamster video that's even quicker that was only like a couple months or something so wow
0: yeah what the induced ovulation that seems like a much better way of doing it
1: it does doesn't it yeah what's up with that (laughs) like, <laughs> yeah, but I suppose if you're if you're like a rabbit that could get eaten and stuff all the time you want to be able to get pregnant faster whereas if you're like a human and you have like a brain you don't <laughs> necessarily need to have that pressure yeah. to to you know oh I mean we're definitely instantly. more we're
0: definitely more successful than rabbits than a, as a species um, yeah but that that induced so, population that seems pretty smart yeah yeah like I mean, I don't know if that's actually a, a good thing, because then there'd be a whole lot more unwanted pregnancies and births and uh, stuff. But yeah, like, yeah, but that's only a problem because
1: we've, because our society's gone come so far in a way. But, it does. You gotta think the like the um the tampon manufacturers and stuff like that would be oh, all on board with this saying, thing. I wouldn't. be But in any event, mm. the the contest winners were onto that. Oh, okay. This is the end of the. Yeah, the computer rabbit was was the last. This I just was, thought that's a that's a fun term, and I uh, I bring it back.
0: You know, I I love the I do like the ones where we go through like a big story. Like I always think of Burke and Hare, which was one of my yeah. favorite episodes, where it's like you go through all of these like you know this whole story of these guys' lives and them mm-hmm. killing all these people. It was a really dark episode, but it was really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I do like these bonus facts ones where we just rattle through a few like fun things because yeah, you know, these
1: of- bonus fact ones are so hard to prep for though yeah, there's so much to look up and verify and then just like as you're you know talking about it like all right i actually this one before like we had this problem with the last one where i didn't title i didn't put a header on each thing so i was like what am i even talking about now yeah. you know going to the next one but this one this one had little titles so i could just cue okay yeah i then the i feel
0: bad because i'll ask something like hey what does that mean you'll be like damn it simon didn't we already isn't <laughs> didn't i go deep enough didn't i go deep enough <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah. um,
0: nope. Contest winners.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now, do you want to re- read number one?
0: Yes. Congratulations, Sean Allison. Who? Oh, we left it
1: on from, Castbox.
0: Yeah, See, so we Castbox, are yeah. we are equal opportunity contest winner. I was worried that
1: I was worried that when I ran it that it would just be iTunes because iTunes is the majority. But there, I mean, there was a lot from the other as well. But it was just the iTunes was still the dominant. I was, I was worried it would be just iTunes, but no, Castbox. Congratulations. Was the Sean. first was the first little random thing, and this is this is Sean Allison's
0: review. It doesn't have a star system, so he does doesn't give us a star and he says. Yeah. Oh, it might be negative because there's a lot of exclamation marks and question marks. But he says, uh, how can you not watched The Princess? How can you not watch The Princess Bride? Question mark, exclamation, exclamation, question mark, question mark, exclamation, exclamation, question mark, exclamation. You have been so sheltered, Simon. Absolutely love y'all. I drive for about 10 hours a day in the US and listen to y'all's programs on the YouTubers and the podcast. Well, Sean, congratulations. You have won a $200 Amazon gift card. Email us at uh, email us podcast at todayifoundout.com and we will tell you how you can verify that you are indeed Sean Allison and then we will arrange for you to receive your Amazon gift voucher. Runners up, yeah. anything you want to add mm-hmm. to Sean or are we good? to no, you no. uh, Two runners up who have won, was it $50 each Amazon gift? Or, I realize if you're not in the US, we'll do whatever the $50 is in your local currency because I see this is a UK review. Mm -hmm. Um, Twisted Linguist I like that name from iTunes UK congratulations five stars I found this show after watching the Tifo YouTube channel uh, which I also highly recommend and really enjoy the back and forth banter of the podcast format it's an excellent way to learn the the stranger than fiction stories behind the accomplishments of humanity we take for granted that's cool it's very kind of you to say Tifo YouTube channel I'm realizing now I get emails from people and they're like, hey, or like reviews. And it's like, I don't, what's YouTube channels? You have YouTube channels? It's like, this is great news Mm because it means people are listening who didn't know us before. Um, Mm -hmm. We also have a YouTube channel. It's significantly bigger. (laughs) (laughs) You can check it out if you want. Just uh, punch into Google or YouTube. Just today I found out one word or separate words. It'll it'll come up. (laughs) You'll see it. We make videos uh anything you want to add there or shall i move on nope next the third <laughs> even more evidence here that we are truly equal in our selection because jess jess jesse jess, jace jace <laughs> okay good uh jace seven eight nine one on itunes us says four stars Long time fan of today, I found out on YouTube. I'm really enjoying your podcast. I'm more interested in the stories and anecdotes than interviews. Your Roosevelt episodes were great, although some people might find the personal banter and tangents off-putting. I find it very entertaining. For reference, my favorite podcasts average from 50 minutes, Stuff You Should Know, to 200 minutes. Whoa! The Weekly Planet. That woe was me. I didn't even know that was, a uh, 200 minutes is long. Um, like, hardcore history long. No, that's even longer. Uh... So, we don't do interviews anymore, so maybe that'll be five stars now. What do you think? Yeah. yeah. You should edit it, be. or
1: she should edit it, whoever. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, so, Twisted Linguist and Jace7891, email us, <laughs> podcast. Oh, that,
1: that should be the test for Jace7891. <laughs> Does verify it? This is really Jace7891. <laughs> and email. You have to change it to five stars. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to do
0: that, Jace. We appreciate your review. Uh, email us, uh, podcast at com. We'll verify you and get your vouchers out to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, congratulations, everybody. We do have a current contest going on. That was like, uh, it, we kind of explained it at the beginning, but we were waiting till we got 200 reviews and then we were giving away a $200 voucher. Now when we get 300 reviews, we're going to give away a $300 voucher to the first two... So if you left a review like on day one, you're still in every time. So go and leave us a review. It doesn't matter what the star rating is; it's just you know reviews. And are in important.
1: fact, the all three of these, all three of these, in fact, were from older reviews. So oh, uh-huh. there you go. Oh yeah, April, June, yeah. May. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, carry on. And yes, when we, how many reviews are we at now? It was like two hundred fifteen well, or something.
1: On- yeah, on iTunes US is what we're using as the sort of the trigger point, but overall we're at like 400 across all the all the platforms in the major countries and that's a lot stuff. of views. That's a lot of reviews. Yeah. Thank you everybody. Yeah. So, uh
0: got a bit of other discussion. What do we yeah, know, what uh, up?
1: So if people want to go this, this particular podcast, the, the tech history one, uh, there's quite, quite a lively discussion going on about the different keyboard stuff. I was going to read some of it, but it's, you know, you could just go check that out because there's actually quite a few people are chiming in on their experiences with the different Dvorak and different, uh, different ones besides that. It's quite interesting. This is on our forum, which... Yes. I, are Orms... we allowed
0: to talk about the website yet or is that kind of under wraps until... Like the I new we podcast should wait. website, we should wait. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, tease that for next time. Exciting yeah. news about our website. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. for now, you can find that at the regular website, just defundout mm-hmm. and then just click on forum, mm-hmm. and you'll see the where we discuss stuff like this. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. And in the future, secret website project. Um, mm-hmm. go on and move on. <laughs> swiftly. <laughs> uh Falconerd rings in again. Falconerd also the you Falconerd. know the super the superstar con uh comment from the forum that we read last time. Uh, uh so he has something else to say. We should get an Oh, he's quoting me. We should get
0: an intro where we have mm-hmm. a nice sounding man or woman. Simon, you are that nice sounding man. Well, that's why you have a GPS soundboard. That's true. I do. Uh yeah, Patreon yeah. supporters. If you're interested in that patreoncom forward slash today I found out. If you support it like a certain level, I think you get the GPS voice of Simon on a Garmin or a Mm -hmm. Tom, right? Yeah. I think it's like $10 or something like that. Yeah. If you're interested in that, go check it out. Uh, I think, I I, I like podcasts where they're introduced by someone else, though. Like, because it feels weird, like, if it's like a pre-recorded segment and then it kind of rolls into the same person talking, just like, because then it's like... oh, It should be, and
1: it should be like a really awesome woman voice, I think. Like a cool, with a cool jingle in the background. Yeah, Yeah. totally. And like a cool jingle going on. Yeah. It does... I don't know if it feels
0: a bit like cheesy and radio though, like "Hi, welcome to a Radio Station. We're Simon and David." Have you ever noticed?
1: I don't have know you why ever noticed Australian
0: that. right then? But, but.
1: <laughs> Every single fitness podcast out there on anything to do with fitness always has this like really hardcore 1990s rock and roll like thing going on like I everyone has ever really looked up anything about fitness i know you're yeah. one, i know you're really into this but
0: it's like Ew. it's
1: not like even good like good stuff it's like the more of like the 1990s style and it's just every single one and i've always thought that was interesting Like you know i don't know maybe they know their demographic i guess or maybe it's like someone does it once
0: and everyone's like wow this yeah. podcast is really good so we must like you know, use it as inspiration. And then they're also yeah. using everything as inspiration, even the bad things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's and not it good. Comes. It's
1: not a good thing to listen to, <laughs> especially
0: in headphones and stuff. So listen up, podcasters. We've been doing this six months. We know what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Kenneth spoiler, Pride. Kenneth Pride. Yeah. He says, I can no longer listen to Simon in good <laughs> conscience. He is a cultural carbuncle and needs to be flogged to death and subscribed. Is this because I... If, if this is because... there's a few things. No, I haven't seen The Princess Bride and I don't like The Wall by Pink Floyd. I should see The Princess Bride. That is true. I stand by the fact that The Wall by Pink Floyd is bad. And I went and listened to this because I was like, I remember this being bad. And so the whole thing was on YouTube or whatever. It's bad. (laughs) I don't like it. I I mean, it's not objectively bad. People like it. I'm sure it's well reviewed. I don't like it. I'm not. And I feel that there's a defensible position.
1: (laughs) It's not very good. Anyway. Well, as long as you like The Princess Bride, I suppose. Although at this point, everyone's built it up so much they you're going to be like, really?
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. i got to see it. Okay. Yeah. I, I did watch Ocean's 13 again this weekend, so I really should be finding the time to watch The Princess Bride if I can find the time to watch Ocean's 13 for the
1: third yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> has Dom, Has Dami seen it? You could do like a date night or something. No, I don't think she's seen it.
0: Um, yeah. We should watch this. Okay.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: Cecilia Spears comments is this are these are these from the forum
1: uh, this one's from uh, YouTube I think okay uh, do, how do I read that no <laughs> no we should definitely do the Star Wars uh, Darth Vader uh, I don't think I've seen that
0: <laughs> I've only seen one Star Wars I didn't like it I'm not joking I'm really I saw one uh, The, the I, I haven't seen any of the new ones any of them, even the 1990 ones, 1990s, early 2000s. And I saw one of the ones from the 1960s, 70s, who cares? It wasn't very good. God, I'm really going to put off all of our, no one's going to listen to this podcast anymore. Are they? I'm literally offending everyone. I mean, you've got to run the gamut from people who like The Wall by Pink Floyd to Star Wars fans. And I know you're extremely passionate. You're going to be the first. who's like, Simon, I can't in good conscience make this podcast with you anymore because you don't like Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> okay um so i don't know what that that is that where he falls off the platform after killing darth vader or something
1: no this is the the joke scene that like in the the horrible the the genuinely horrible uh third one which was actually the best of the first uh, the you know the remake three the prequels they're bad i know one of them uh,
0: has someone called jar jar binks in it who took a lot yeah yeah
1: that was the worst then it got a little bit better and then the third one was okay but there was some scenes like this one where Darth Vader steps off his little thing and he's like does his little no yell and it sort of became an internet meme because it's <laughs> ridiculous oh and then oh and then George Lucas he went and went on the return of the Jedi put that exact same no in the in the the, the like the great scene the genuinely great scene where Darth Vader like picks up the emperor and then you know tosses him out to kill him and uh, and they put that in there the, Yeah, he puts in the new thing going, like, in the... um, I think it was a different audio, actually, but it was the same basic thing. And, uh, yeah, he puts that in, and it, like, completely ruins this, like, really good scene. The soundtrack right there is amazing. The whole, like, the drama of the scene, and then he puts that little no in, in the, like, the updated, awful things. It's like one of those things that just ruins, like... uh, It totally ruins the entire moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, That's another thing,
0: because that... uh, I, own, I didn't learn about this till later because I'm, I'm not American. I didn't know that 555 wasn't an area oh. code, but apparently yeah. this is something. And now whenever I see it in yeah. movies, I'm like, really? You couldn't just get a fake number or just yeah buy a mobile exactly. phone and then be like, yeah, okay, no one's ever going to ring this.
1: <laughs> or even like just offer, like just dial a random number and be like, hey, can we give you $10,000 to use your phone number on our movie? Yeah. No like, one's who's ever going to call that? it. <laughs> Yeah. Cuz you you'd be like, "Okay, sure." And, <laughs> you know, cuz even if people call, I just get a different phone number. Totally yeah. worth the money. Done. Um yeah. uh, speaking of other
0: things that the the no. Have you heard of the Wil- the, the Wilhelm screen or the Wilhelm scream Are you familiar? Yeah, with we're going to we're going to cover this. Oh. Don't spoil it. <laughs> okay. I I didn't know we were going to cover this soon. Um yeah. That's that's stay tuned apparently. Um <laughs> yeah. So, uh where was I? cecilia Spears no, many O's in caps with an exclamation point, follow it. Uh, we need more macabre. It's October. It's the most, oh, this will actually go out in October because we're recording really late. Uh-huh, it's the most uh-huh. wonderful time of the, I think that's Christmas, Cecilia. Isn't that like, it's the most wonderful
1: time of, I'm going to stop singing because I yeah. can't do that. Um, anyway. The song, the song, Cecilia is a good song. We could play that one. I don't know that. Simon and Garfunkel.
0: Oh, maybe I do know. I do like Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah, uh, just probably not familiar with this one. Uh, maybe, uh, oh, it's the most wonderful time of the year for Macabre. Or someone said I can pronounce it macabre, I think was another one. Yeah, there's to...
1: different people at different groups. There was definitely an argument going on as to which was correct. And I think it's just one of those that different regions people say it differently. Okay. Well,
0: I'll pronounce it however I please. Macabre. <laughs> uh <laughs> It was a bad joke. Maybe on today, I found out we can have more. Please, Simon, I'm begging you. There's nothing more dignified about uh, about me being on my proverbial knees. Please, Simon, with sugar and psychopaths on top. Well,
1: I believe we there's good news about this, right? We are at this request. This I, I read this. I was like, yes, we will do one more right now of the macabre part four, which is coming up in a few days. We'll probably uh, right before Halloween or something. Publish it probably. I, I do. Have to, this is good. I do have to bring up again, like Cecilia
0: is definitely a woman's name. What's it with women and macabre? It's uh, we've discussed this before. But you think, yeah, murder and death—that's kind of a guy thing. No.
1: <laughs> we had we had a commenter, uh, or I should say, a, a lady, emailed us with yes. a very long. I was re- This was a good good thing. Uh, it was I don't know, probably like two pages long, explaining exactly why. Yeah, and, you know other things. Yeah, so we'll probably bring that up at some point. But yes, the next, uh, next week, we will do one more for, for Halloween. Lovely. Cool, we're on a schedule. It's 20 seconds today. We should get cracking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, this was fun. I like, like I say, I like the bonus facts ones. Mm-hmm. Subscribe. Do all those things. Leave us a review with the contest. Say hi on social media. Um, yeah. Hashtag
1: brain food show. You're mm-hmm. at Found out one Right. I don't know why. Why do you have yeah. one on the end? Because someone had the Today I Found Out, but they didn't, they weren't using it. But, uh, you know, I was like, whatever. This was back in like 2009. Yeah. can that somehow? No, probably I mean, not. Because, you know, I do not really, you know, it, it was like 2009. So I was like, yeah, today, uh, today I found out one. Who cares? This is my hobby. It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. I also feel like, <laughs> you know, Donald
0: Trump's one is like real Donald Trump. It's yeah. like, what was Donald Trump taken? You're the president. Can't you just lean on someone? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, even I managed to get Simon Whistler. I don't feel like I need real Simon Whistlers. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's it for today. Leave us a review. Do all that good stuff. Check us out on YouTube, wherever you are. Well, yeah, check us out. Check out what else we do. And uh, thank, you for, thank you for listening. It doesn't exactly sound appealing. Like, hey, come to my dungeon. There won't be any murder.